So turn in your Bibles today to Colossians chapter number 3. Colossians chapter number 3. And today we're going to talk about the um, needed uh, thing, the needed requirement that God has given us called forgiveness. A few weeks ago we were studying in, in uh, Sunday school and Jonathan made mention of Romans chapter 12. And I've been studying on that passage since then. I want to eventually get to that, but it is the, it's the high watermark of forgiveness, what Paul is talking about there in Romans 12. Uh, it's tough forgiveness is what he's talking about in Romans chapter 12. Uh, today we're going to look at, at the forgiveness that we're to have one for another. The scripture speaks of here. Um, as, as Paul is directing this church at Colossae, and, and Lord willing, over the next few weeks we'll get into uh, Ephesians 4 and Ephesians 5, as Paul gives us that direction there as well, and then eventually get to Romans 12. And that, uh, again, that, that big forgiveness that he's talking about there. But here in Colossians chapter 3, look with me, verse number 12, and we'll read down through verse 16, and you'll see very clearly here in this particular passage where Paul is directing us in regards to our forgiveness one for another. He says, Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, that's, that's, that's what comes to us as the children of God, as His elect, those who have received His salvation, there is a holiness in us given us by Christ. We are made His beloved, as, the, as He tells us there in Ephesians chapter 1, that we are accepted in the beloved. And so he, this Paul is describing us here as the children of God, holy and beloved. We are to put on, he says, bowels of mercies, kindness, Humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, he says, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. But charity is essential when we're coming to the reality of forgiveness. That word charity there is that, that highest form of love that the Scripture describes for us. That is that agape love. It is a love that is extended. It is a love that is given out. It is a love that is shed abroad on the hearts of God people toward one another without the expectation of anything in return. That's the reason it's called charity. The reason it's translated that because it's given out without expectation of any return. Amen. That is that highest form of love. And that highest form of love has to be incorporated with that forgiveness. You see. Because... In forgiving one another, we don't deserve forgiveness. You see. We don't deserve that forgiveness one from another. But we are, we are called to give it because of Christ. And we are to do it by this love, this agape, this charity one for another. 
And so he says, put on this charity, which is the bond of perfectness. That doesn't mean we're made perfect when we have charity. Uh, perfect in, in flesh. That's not what he's talking about. But rather he's talking about our maturity. Our maturity as a child of God. Our maturity as a grown up in our Christian faith shows itself in that love that we have one for another. And so when we are able to give that love, when we have that charity one for another, that shows our maturity in Christ. Because we can't do it without Him. We have to have Him. And so He tells us here in verse 14, He says, Above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Again, verse 13, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Let's go to the Lord and work prayer. Our Father in heaven, we thank you again for this day. We thank you, Father, for your grace. Father, we thank you for your many blessings that you poured out upon us this day. We're thankful for each soul that was able to come this way this morning to be in your house. We have many that are out from us even this day. And we just pray your hand of grace on each one of them, Father, that you give them what they have need of today. Father, we pray that you would help us as we look to your word even now. We pray that you open it before us, that you would give us understanding of these things, Father, that we have set before us this day, application for our own lives, that you would ever draw us closer to you, that you would help us, Father, to be faithful to you in all that we do in this life. That we would walk as you've called us to walk. That we would serve you as you've called us to serve you. Father, that you would uh, help us to be faithful servants of thy name. Father, go with us now, we pray, as we look to these passages of Scripture. We pray that you open them before us. Father, that you would help us to be a people that are forgiven of one another. Because of your great grace that you have given unto us. Go with us now, we pray, for we ask these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Now go over to hold your place here in Colossians 3. Go back with me to Proverbs chapter 19. Proverbs chapter number 19. And verse number 11. The reality is, we are imperfect. We are everyone human. We are all yet in the flesh. And being in the flesh, we're going to hurt one another. We're going to say the wrong things. We're going to do the wrong things. We're going to, we're going to come short in how we should walk, how we should serve, how we should love. We're, we're going to do that. That is a given. It is a reality. It is a reality in our families. It is a reality in our church. It is a reality to the people outside that we come across day to day. It's just simply a reality. We, we are not perfect and we're going to say the wrong things. We're going to do the wrong things. We're going to hurt one another at times. We're going to 
We're, we're not going to be a blessing that we ought to be sometimes. It's just a reality. So the, the, the given is we're going to fail one another on occasion. And when we fail one another on occasion, we as God's people are to be a forgiving people one to another because of who we are in Christ Jesus. Recognizing that that it is only in Him that we are forgiven before the throne of God. It is only in His payment for us that we are made the children of God. It is only in Him that, that we have forgiveness before the throne of God. And if God can forgive us, then we can forgive one another. Because, quite frankly, there are none of us, there are none of us that have hurt each other as bad as you have hurt the holiness of God. Amen. We, we, don't often, we, all, we, we don't often bring that to mind. When you understand the holiness of God, when you understand how vital His holiness is, uh, you will understand my, my sin against God was far greater than any sin ever done to me by someone else. And if God can forgive us such an offense against His holiness then you and I can forgive each other. We can forgive each other. And so we read here in Proverbs 19, verse 11. Solomon writes here, he says, The discretion of a man deferreth his anger, and it is his glory to pass over a transgression, to be forgiven. Forgiving, I should say. To be forgiving. The discretion of a man deferreth his anger. In other words, your discretion, your character, your, your, your person is proven in your ability to control yourself. Your discretion here. Your discretion is shown when you defer your anger. And he says it is a glory to pass over. It is a glory to forgive someone a transgression they have brought against you. Never is one more lofty or more noble than when he forgives. And yet, yet our society looks at forgiveness as weak. And that's, that's exactly how it looks at forgiveness. In fact, we make those kind of people our heroes. Men, you know, we, we watch Dirty Harry, Rambo, John Wayne. You know, I mean, those, you don't see much forgiveness in those guys when they're shooting them up. And we make those kind of guys, but, but forgiveness, forgiveness is what God has called us to. Forgiveness one for another. The price of unforgiveness is overwhelming. It destroys. 
When we hold on to those hurts, when we hold on to those pains, when we hold on to those transgressions of the past, it overwhelms us and it destroys us. It enslaves people in the past. It keeps you bound by those things, those offenses from the past. It produces bitterness in the heart and it's something that Paul warns us again that we against that we don't allow that root of bitterness to build in us. Unforgiveness holds us in bondage, but forgiveness brings deliverance from the past. Forgiveness forgiveness releases us from Bitterness. It releases us from bitterness. Forgiveness is more godlike than anything else we can do to forgive. Go to Psalm 32. Psalm chapter 32. Look what David writes here. Verses 1 and verse 2 of this passage. Psalm 32, verse 1 and 2. He says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no God. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity. Now, go to Psalm 85. Psalm chapter number 85. And we see there in verse 2. Psalm 85 and verse number 2. Thou hast forgiven the iniquity of thy people. Thou hast brought back the captivity. I'm sorry, I jumped ahead there. Thou hast forgiven the iniquity of thy people. Thou hast covered, there it is, all their sin. Say long. And so when we forgive, we, we are operating. We are operating like our Lord. We, we are operating at a high level there by His power, of course, when we are able to forgive one another. Go to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter number 15. And you all know this story. This is the story of the prodigal son. I thought about starting with it today in, in regards to this forgiveness that we, but I'll, I'll just touch it is all we'll do here today. Uh, Luke 15, we see this, this man, he has two sons, an older and a younger son. And his younger son comes to him and says, Daddy, I, I, need, to, I need to live a little. I need to be my own man. I need to do my own thing. I need to... 
I need, I need to go out and, and explore this world. I need to go out and, and, and take part in this stuff around me. And Well, I ain't got no money. I need you to give me my inheritance so I can go and seek my fortune. Daddy didn't die yet. And that's how you normally get your inheritance. Daddy's got to die. And then he passes it to you. But his daddy split up the inheritance. He gave his older son his two-thirds, which is what was required in the Scripture. And he gave his younger son his third. And the young man went on his way. Left home. Went out into the world. And took that money, his inheritance that his father had given him. And the Bible tells us that he wasted it with riotous living. He wasted it with riotous living. In other words, he went out and partied, lived in wickedness, totally opposed to what his father had taught him, totally opposed to who he even was, as an individual himself, and he went out and lived it up and wasted all that his father had given him. And after wasting all that his father had given him, there arose a famine in the land, and suddenly this boy that had it all for a short while is now starving. And he starts trying to find sustenance anywhere he can get it. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, it says in verse 15, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. So he went to the unclean to feed the unclean. And he was so hungry, he finds himself going to eat the food of the unclean. And all of these things... All of these things where he finds himself is so far from where he, number one, thought he would be, but so far from where he should have been. Verse 17. I love verse 17. Love verse 17. When he came to himself, That's the wondrous part of this. Before his father gave him his inheritance, he was a son. When he took the inheritance and went out from his father, he was still a son. When he lived his riotous life, when he ruined himself, when he wasted all that his father had given him, he was still the son. When he was there in that hog pen and he was taking care of those hogs, he was still his father's son. And the son came to himself. Listen. Listen. Only God's children can come to themselves. The world will go on. The world will be... Be content to stay with the hogs. The world be content to stay in the pig pen. They're content to continue on in the wickedness, but a child of God will come to themselves. And he came to himself there in the pig pen. And he says this. 
How many hired servants of my father have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will rise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and, and kill the fatted calf. We're celebrating. My son who was dead is now alive. Jesus gives us this illustration to show us how lavishly how lavishly our Father forgives us. He also shows us in the latter part, which we're not going to get into today, but, but in the latter part of that, how God's faithful, those that were with Him, will sometimes react to that lavish forgiveness. Oldest son got mad. Wait a minute. Don't you know what that dummy did? Don't you know how wicked he was? But our Father forgives lavishly. And we don't deserve the least of his forgiveness. If he can forgive so lavishly, why cannot we? Ephesians 4, verse number 32, and we'll get into Ephesians 4 another day. But verse, the last verse here of this passage. Ephesians 4, verse 32. Paul says, Be ye kind, one to another, tender-hearted, Forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. We imitate God when we forgive. We imitate Him when we forgive one another. Now, He forgives, and He forgives lavishly. When we forgive, we are being like Him. This, this is what He has called us in our forgiveness. To forgive like Him. Who has ever offended you 
If anyone has ever offended you, understand they've offended God greater. If any has ever offended you, realize you have offended God greater. And those, well, let's go back with to, first of all, Psalm 51. Look, David had an understanding of this forgiveness. Forgiveness that God could give. Psalm 51, verse number 4. Now, David had sinned against several people. In reality, this is David's sin with Bathsheba. And in reality, David had sinned against his whole nation. Him being the king, him him being their leader, him being the one that's supposed to be leading them into battle. All the, the... the ins and outs of this reality. David here had sinned against all of Israel. He sinned against Bathsheba. He sinned against Uriah. He sinned against his own army. He sinned against his own family. All of, all of these sins, I mean, piled up there. And David makes this statement. This is David's prayer of repentance in Psalm 51. And he makes this statement here in verse number 4 that is very prominent. It's very, very necessary for us to understand when it comes to the reality of our forgiveness. David, David here is not saying in verse 4 that he didn't sin against anybody else, but he's saying the most important one that he sinned against is God. God the, the offense, the transgression against God was greater than any other that he did. And he says that verse number 4, against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. David said, I sinned against you and, and, and it was you that you are the most important one. I, I sinned against you more than I sinned against anybody else. And Lord, I acknowledge that and, and I deserve everything you're going to pour out on me. That's what David's saying. I deserve every punishment that you give me. Against thee, the only. Have I sinned? Now, notice chapter 41. Psalm 41, verse number 4. Psalm 41, verse number 4. David says, I said, Lord, be merciful unto me, Heal my soul. For I have sinned against thee. Heal my soul. 
for I have sinned against thee. If God can be so merciful that he can forgive us so readily, then why cannot we be that forgiving? Our forgiveness from God is no small thing. It costs our Savior his blood. He loved us so much. He loved us so much. He gave himself to forgive us. We all deserve his judgment. We all deserve hell. Every one of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all deserve God's wrath. Because God loved us. Christ Jesus stood in our place. Because God loved us, Jesus took our punishment for us and gave himself as the payment for our sin. Our forgiveness was no small thing. And the reality of his forgiveness for us amazes our senses when we consider how great, man, how great is the forgiveness of God. And he's telling us, you forgive the same way. With that charity love, you forgive the same way. When one does not forgive, he will not enjoy the love of other Christians. In fact, no forgiveness estranges us from others and we alienate ourselves by holding on to those transgressions. It's the reason Paul says not to forsake, as he says there in Hebrews 10, not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as we see the day approaching. We need God's people. We need each other. And needing each other means we need to be able to forgive one another. We need to be able to love one another. Failure to forgive, or to forgive rather, brings divine chastening. Matthew 18 and verse number 34. Matthew 18 and verse number 34. Here the Lord gives us a, a parable. About a man that owed a great debt. And he couldn't pay that debt. And so his Lord forgave him that debt. 
and released him from it. But then that same guy who owed that great debt went to somebody else that owed him nothing compared to what he owed. And he went down and made this other fellow pay that debt. Well, it got back to the Lord of what this guy had done. So he'd released this guy from this debt. Literally, it was a fortune that this guy owed his Lord that he was not able to pay, and he forgave him all of them. And this other guy owed him a few pennies. And he'd come down on that fellow to make him pay. And the Lord found out about it and cast him into prison. In fact, he says there in verse number 34, it says, And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. If you don't have the mercy of forgiveness, you will experience the chastening of the Lord. He don't leave us to ourselves as his children. He don't leave us to ourselves. He corrects us. He directs our lives. James chapter 2, verse number 13, as we read last week there concerning the faith that he gives us and the faith that operates in us by Christ Jesus. He tells us there in verse 13 of chapter 2, for he shall have judgment without mercy that hath showed no mercy, and mercy rejoiceth against judgment. You don't want the chastening of the Lord because you're unforgiving. Forgive. Forgive one another. Don't let it bind you. Don't let it bind you. Don't let it embitter you because that's exactly what unforgiveness does. In fact, he tells us there in Matthew 6, Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 12, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 12, this is the Lord in his model prayer teaching his disciples to pray, and he says there in verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Then he says, verse 14, For if we forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That's not talking about our salvation, right? But rather, he's talking here about our sanctification. He's talking about that, that temporal forgiveness in our sanctification. If when we refuse to forgive, he will chasten us. We're going to miss out on some blessings because we're going to be under the heavy hand of God's chastening. Amen. He says, don't do that. Forgive one another. Forgive one another. The absence of forgiveness makes us unfit for worship. Worship. God requires us 
to be reconciled. Worship, God requires us to forgive one another. Not to forgive is to usurp the authority of God. Go back to Romans 12. I want to look at one of those verses there that I want to eventually get to. Romans chapter 12, verse number 19. Romans 12, verse 19. He says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. So don't, don't you avenge. You let God take care of what He's going to do. But then He goes on further. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. That ain't easy. That ain't easy. Offenses against you that the Lord has allowed in your life, He is using as trials to build you up in Him. To teach you to teach you that you must lean on Him. That you must hold fast to Him. Paul accounts for that in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. James accounts for that in James 1. Peter accounts for that in 1 Peter chapter 5. God allows these offenses to come in our lives, to build us, to make us. More like His Son. These are for the purpose of making you mature in Christ Jesus. First Peter chapter 2. Look with me one more verse here. One more passage. First Peter chapter 2. Verse number 19, down through verse 21. 1 Peter 2, verse 19 through verse 21. Peter writes here, For this is thankworthy, if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully, and that's an offense that someone's brought against you. You've endured, you've endured some offense against you. You've endured some transgression against your person. He says, this is thankworthy. If a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it if when ye be buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently? 
Well, you deserve what you're getting. Then you deserve what you're getting. Right? Take it patiently, he said. But if, when ye do well, and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, and this is acceptable with God. This is acceptable with God. Well, that gets hard. Because we're hurt. We've been damaged in some way. We've been offended. Someone's done something against us. What am I supposed to do with this? What am I supposed to do with this hurt? What am I supposed to do with this anger? What am I supposed to do with this... These, these feelings that I have against them because of what they've done to me. Put on charity. Forgive. Oh, we can't do it. That's what he tells us to do. But we can't do it if we're not holding fast to our Lord. He has to give us that. We have to be holding on to Him. We have to recognize, first of all, the importance of that forgiveness. We have to recognize that that, that forgiveness is necessary because God has forgiven me. It's required of me to forgive. But Lord, I can't do it. But because it's what I, what's required of me, because of the fact that you have forgiven me, Lord, I, I have to hang on to you until you bless me with that forgiveness. And be like Jacob. I will not let you go until you bless me. Hold on. Hold on to him. God is pleased when we forgive as He has forgiven us. Forgiveness brings heaven down. Forgiveness is the image of God for this world to see. And it is the advancement of Christ's kingdom, especially when His people forgive one another. Forgiveness is what makes us whole. What makes us whole as we go forth to serve our Lord. Forgiving one another. Oh, God gives, forgives us so lavishly. I mean, he, he pours it out. Paul uses the example of it, describing it there in Ephesians chapter 1 as a waterfall of grace. Just inundated 
by his forgiveness. And he's calling us to the same. Forgive one another. Let's all stand. Brother Gordon, did you bring us a song?